the first reading is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 52, beginning at verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. This is the word of the Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from John chapter 1, beginning at the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the Gospel of Christ. Good evening. May we pray. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see you and our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to receive you this Christmas time. Amen. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, I'm wondering just how Christmassy you're beginning to feel. The Christmassy feeling in our family began sometime back in October. Uh, That's because our children love to listen to Christmas music. And although I did my best, I couldn't stop them from downloading the Christmas playlist sometime back at the beginning of November. They know, they know that 
the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. That's what Buddy would have us believe in the movie Elf. And Christmas music is one of those things that helps us to feel Christmassy. And some Christmas music we seem to hear over and over and over again. One of the songs we hear a lot at this time of year, and I'm sure I've heard it more than once today, is Mariah Carey's 1994 hit, All I Want for Christmas is You. And in fact, despite being more than 20 years old now, that song is the most popular Christmas song that's been downloaded or streamed this week. The words for All I Want for Christmas is You are fairly straightforward. And I think if we sat here together and talked about it for long enough, between us we could probably write the lyrics down. And in one sense, that would give us the song, wouldn't it? But in another sense, it wouldn't give us the song at all. Because words can only convey so much of what a piece of music is. We need the melody. We need the instrumentation. We need the emotion of a performance in order to bring it to life. Our Christmas Bible reading this evening talks about a word. It talks about the word about how the Word was in the beginning, how the Word was with God in the beginning, how everything was made through the Word, because in the Word was light and life. The Word it's referring to is Jesus. And as we read this passage at Christmas, we do so because it helps us to understand that Jesus wasn't just a random baby born to a young couple in Bethlehem, over 2,000 years ago, but that he was, in actual fact, the very expression of God himself. He was God's word. But what does that mean, and why does the writer of the Bible there use the image of a word to describe Jesus? There are lots of very intellectual answers to that question, but I want to share with you this evening just a few of my thoughts that I think are really helpful for us to remember at Christmas. And my first thought is this, it's that words are powerful. Words can build us up or break us down. And we're all familiar with the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But most of us also know, and will have experienced, that this saying is wrong. Words do have the power to hurt us, to damage us, just as they also have the power to bring healing and reconciliation. God's words have more power than anything else. Creation came into being through God's words. Every day of the six creation days that we read of in the story in Genesis begins, and God said. And when God spoke, His words were powerful enough to change things, to bring order out of the chaos that there was. That's true for our words too. They have the power to bring change and transformation. They challenge or create or offer choice. And in Mariah Carey's song, All I Want for Christmas is You, she's telling the person that she loves that she wants to be with them more than anything else. 
She hopes that her words will lead to a change in her situation, that her beloved will respond, that her aloneness will be transformed. The words don't tell us whether or not her wish is granted, but they reveal her desire for change. And that's the second thing we can note about words. They reveal our desires. They express something about who we are, about what we feel, because our words come from very deep within us. We all know people whose words we find uplifting and warm and kind. We recognise that these are people that we want to spend time with. Just as we know those whose words are bitter and destructive and we might seek to avoid them because they are harder for us to love. In the Bible, the most frequently used phrase is do not fear. God's words of creation and his words of reassurance when people are frightened reveal his character to us. They tell us of his desire to create beauty and to be in relationship with men and with women. So relationships are the third thing we can say about words. When we speak to somebody, we have a relationship with them. Our choice of words and the way that we use them indicate what kind of relationship that will be. And as we speak our words, we're offering choice to people. They can accept our words or they can reject them. The same is true of God's word, of course, and from the beginning of time, there are accounts in the Bible of people rejecting God's words and damaging their relationship with him. And eventually that rejection led to humankind becoming utterly separated from God and from his words. We said before that writing out song words wasn't enough to give us a song. It was just so with God's word. Whilst it remained as God's word, it wasn't enough to show us the depths of God's love. It wasn't enough to enable us to understand what a relationship with him would be like. Those of us who love know that love means more than words. If we love someone, we need to do more than simply say so. We need to live a life that shows that love through the things that we do. And so to show us the extent of God's love, to show us his power, to show us his character, to show us how to live with one another and how to love one another, God's word became flesh. God's word was born as a baby boy over 2,000 years ago. Born in poverty, in an occupied land, to inexperienced parents who very soon found themselves fleeing for their lives and living as refugees. And as he grew up, that baby boy, God's word made flesh, born out of God's love for each and every one of us, that baby boy showed us what love is, showed us what God's looks like, showed us what love looks like, and taught us how to live. And as a human, as a man, Jesus continued doing all the things that he had done as God's word. 
He did powerful things. He did creative things. He changed and transformed people's lives. He expressed the fullness of God's character. And he repeatedly offered us the choice of developing a fuller relationship with God by accepting his love and by following him. As the word became flesh, the world was changed forever. And so as we gather this evening, as we celebrate God sending his word for us over the next few days, we can rejoice that Jesus still offers men and women an opportunity to accept God's love and to offer our own love back to him in response and thenceforth enjoy a relationship with him for all of eternity. Mariah Carey's 1994 song tells us that for her, Christmas is about being with the one she loves. God's desire to be in relationship with men and women led to his sending as Jesus to be with the one he loves, and that's each and every one of us. In a moment, we're going to sing again. We're not going to sing Mariah Carey, but we are going to sing the UK's most popular Christmas carol, and that's Silent Night. The words tell the story of what happened that first Christmas Eve, the story of the birth of a baby, God's word made flesh, who came and lived a human life on earth to bring God's love and God's light to life in our world and in our lives. It wouldn't be enough if we simply sat and looked at the words. We'll bring it to life with our music, with our voices. And as we do that, as we sing that carol, may we each remember that it was God's love for each and every one of us seated here tonight and all around the world, all people in all places. It was God's love for them that led to the Son of God, love's pure light, dwelling among us. But before we sing, may we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus, your word made flesh, as a gift, gifted to us to show us your great love. Help us each to receive your gift of love this Christmas. Help us to respond to that love by offering you ourselves in return. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.